Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. <clears throat> Pardon me. It is Friday night. It is August the 27th, 2021. I thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been one hell of a week, uh, so let's just cut to the chase. I'm glad you're here because my goal, and it has been my goal um, for the last nearly 20 years, perhaps even before that, to wake up Americans as to the true importance of border security, immigration, national security, uh, and the nexus that these issues all have um, to all of the key issues that are of great and indeed grave concern to America and Americans. Yesterday, there was a terrible bombing at the airport in Afghanistan, 13 U.S. servicemen dead, uh, a bunch of uh, servicemen injured, God knows what the death toll was for the Afghanis who were there, Um, and it was predictable. And when Joe Biden was interviewed about the way that we left Afghanistan under his supposed, quote, leadership, and I use that term very loosely, during an interview, he basically said, well, we couldn't do any better, it was going to be messy, and that's just the way it is, too bad. I mean, he's trying to show compassion, I guess. But I'm tired of the lies, I'm tired of the incompetence, I'm tired of the ineptitude, I'm tired of the misfeasance, nonfeasance, and especially the malfeasance by this administration. This is not a game, it's not a joke, and people are dying and more will die. And my concern is that I don't, to be blunt about this, I do not believe that America has ever been at a greater risk of a massive terror attack than we are this evening. Period. If you know my background, you know that I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. If you know my background, you know that I was an INS agent for 30 years, and part of what I did was to arrest and investigate uh, terrorists, drug dealers, uh, people who posed a very serious threat to America's national security and safety. That's the reason that I did a bunch of congressional hearings. That's the reason that the 9-11 Commission reached out to me. I was happy to go to Washington and provide them with a deposition and testimony with the hope of preventing future terror attacks. And I have to tell you, I'm sitting in my house today watching the news reports, wondering what in the world we are doing and why I bothered going to Washington. How in the world is this administration looking out for the best interest of America and Americans as we approach the 20th anniversary of the attacks of 9-11? stop and ask yourself that fundamental question. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear about the nexus between immigration, border security, immigration fraud, visa fraud, topics I've testified about numerous times in both the House and Senate. And the Biden administration, aided and abetted by all too many Republicans, has blown the door off the hinges. And now we have a catastrophe in Afghanistan not simply because it was time to leave and we could argue whether or not we needed to pull out, but it was the way it was done. It was the sequence of events. 
you know, if you watch the Olympics, the judges hold up signs to evaluate not only the uh, the way that perhaps the skaters did a particular move, but how well they did them. And when you look at strategic considerations, it's always the matter of the sequence of events. Could you imagine a skydiving instructor telling his or her students to pull the ripcord after they impact the ground? When you go to the pistol range, the sequence is ready, aim, fire. You don't fire until you know that the range is clear so that you don't hit anybody. You don't fire until you know that your gun is safe to shoot. And you don't fire until you have a target in your sights so you know what the hell you're shooting at. Well, the way it was done was bass-ackward by Joe Biden. He fired before he was ready, and he certainly didn't aim. Just stop and think about that. He pulled out the troops before he got the civilians out. He pulled out the troops before he got thousands of terrorist prisoners being held in Afghanistan out and perhaps moved to Guantanamo. He pulled the troops out before they removed an arsenal of of weaponry or destroyed it. You know, there are laws in the United States that state that if you send what's known as dual-use items, computer chips, all sorts of items fall under that heading, dual use to countries that are hostile to the United States or through an intermediary country, you go to jail. And you could go to the DOJ, the Justice Department website, and see case after case after case. Some guy sent guns to some country on the other side of the planet and got arrested. Why? Because we're not supposed to sell guns to that country. They sold components of guns to another country. Those people were arrested. They're sitting in jail. Why? Because we didn't want components for weapons sent to that country. Imagine if anybody would have said, we're going to provide airplanes and armored vehicles and millions of rounds of ammo, God only knows, and firearms and rockets and all sorts of armament to a terrorist group. What would happen? I promise you, you would not have to worry about the... uh, problem of room and board. The government would accommodate you for many, many years, if not for the rest of your life, if you did that. But by getting the sequence of events wrong, thousands of ISIS terrorists were turned loose, not only threatening Afghanistan, not only threatening the United States, but allies of ours all across the planet. The president of the United States has a couple of titles. He wears a number of hats. Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces. Leader of the Free World. These aren't honorary degrees. You know, we see all sorts of buffoons going to all sorts of wacky universities getting honorary doctorate degrees of letters. I wonder why they don't get doctoral degrees of numbers or God only knows what else. Pomp and nonsense to honor the person, maybe hoping that they'll give them money, or when they die, they'll bequeath the money in their will, or they hope it'll appeal to other money to send the money. It's always about money. Always about money. No, these aren't honorary positions. They are meaningful positions. Commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Leader of the free world. In the middle of the night, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. No one else. Joe Biden. Not Donald Trump. Not the fairy godmother. Joe Biden, 
president of the United States. That's Joe Biden. You know, Hunter, the guy with the drug problem and hooker problem. Yeah, that's Joe Biden, father of Hunter, in case you're confused about who I'm talking about. That's Joe Biden. Ordered our troops out in the middle of the night and didn't even let our Afghan allies know that we were pulling out. Imagine when they show up in the morning and the place is gone, closed. We ghosted them. It's like the bad story we've heard from our friends over the years, you know. I went to work and came home and found my wife left and took the furniture. In the dead of night, Joe Biden, Joseph Biden, president, ordered our troops out of Bagram. Middle of the night. Boom, gone. Didn't tell NATO. And said, we're going to stick to a date that was established by Trump. Of course, Trump had other issues that would have been met before this happened. So Joe Biden, who says the buck stops here, suddenly said, well, it's Donald Trump's fault, not my fault. But the buck stops here. Words come out of his mouth with no meaning, no thought. Maybe he's not capable of thought. Instead of the White House, he should have been in the, in the old age house. Joe Biden had our troops pull out, and of course the military collapsed. So he blamed the military, he blamed Donald Trump, he blamed everybody. But who ordered them to close Bagram Air Base? Joe Biden did. And when? In the middle of the night. And who did he tell about it? Nobody but our soldiers. So they cleared out a dodge, and the Afghanis show up, and the, the gates are closed. So who was fighting to help them? Their families are being threatened with death. And these guys aren't playing. They're going out there hunting these people down right now as I'm speaking to you. So Joe Biden closes the base, turns his back on NATO, leader of the free world. That NATO, remember, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, turns tail, puts his tail between his legs, and runs. Whoop, we're out of here. Not my fault. Really? So thousands of terrorists are in the wind. In the wind, God knows how many, in terms of armament, are now in the hands of some of the worst terrorists in the world. Think about what 19 hijackers did with box cutters. Imagine what thousands of terrorists could do with American weaponry. That's the situation as I speak to you. And there's one person. You can't say, well, it was a committee, it was a group. No, one person bears 100% responsibility. His name Joe Biden. Period. Now look at the mess we're in. So all those terrorists that we held so that they couldn't go out there and kill people are on the run and on the loose. Now if we go backwards, let's look at how immigration was handled. Truthfully, not just by Biden. I could talk about George W. Bush, who violated the Homeland Security Act when he created the Department of Homeland Surrender cut immigration in half between customs and border protection and, and ICE, immigration and customs enforcement, blended in other agencies like customs and agriculture and secret service and ATA, all kinds of agencies, a hodgepodge. When the Homeland Security Act said immigration was the critical failure that enabled terror attacks to take place on American soil. Not once, but many times over the decade leading up to 9-11, because that's what the commission looked at. Immigration, not customs failures, not agriculture failures, not ATF failures. Immigration. <clears throat> immigration was supposed to be the center point of the Department of Homeland Security. Bush torpedoed the whole thing. Uh, in fact, Republican Congressman John Hostel, who chaired the Immigration Subcommittee, said that what 
Bush did gave us immigration incoherence, made it impossible to secure the borders, made it impossible to enforce the immigration laws, therefore made it impossible to protect America and Americans. Thank you, George W. What a legacy. What a bunch of winners we've had in the Oval Office. Globalists. That's why when Trump came along, they hated his guts. He wasn't taking the money, and he wasn't a globalist. He talked about sovereignty, the S word that sent them all to the bathroom. So we had an open border. Administration after administration. When Trump came in, they wouldn't even give him the money to secure the Mexican border, even though we know that there are terrorists operating in Latin America moving people and drugs into the United States. How dare you secure that border? And as I've told you before on this program, the border wall was not designed to stop people from entering, just to stop people from entering without inspection so that we, they would be funneled through a port of entry. How dare you? You go to the baseball stadium, you don't wander onto the field. There are big, tall gates, and no one ever says that those gates around the baseball stadium, the baseball parks, are there because they hate the, the fans. The gates around the baseball park is designed to keep people off the field other than the players and to make certain that everybody who goes into that ballpark has to go through a gate so they get screened for weapons. It wasn't that way when I was a kid, but we live in an insane era and make sure that they pay so they go through gates. That's it. And no one says, oh, my God, this is horrible. They say, well, of course you have to do that. Chuck Schumer said trespass should be a federal crime if you trespass on critical infrastructure or national landmarks. But to Schumer and the other hypocrites, if you trespass on America, we should make you a citizen. For years, immigration had catch and release. Well, guess what? Joe Biden implemented catch and release in Afghanistan. What I'd like to know is how many soldiers were killed? How many soldiers were injured? Not only American, NATO, Afghani, whoever, taking these terrorists off the streets. I guarantee you that that's the, the, the apprehension and the detention of those terrorists came at great cost. Not only financial cost, but in terms of blood and injury and suffering. These are dangerous thugs. They don't go quietly as a rule. I've arrested some very dangerous people. I've taken guns off people. Very often they don't go quietly. Arrests involve risk. Thousands of terrorists taken out of action means that there were opportunities for them to do terrible things to the people who were hunting them down. So I'm curious as to how many soldiers were injured or killed to take these thousands of terrorists out of action and under this idea of catch and release, Joe Biden, nobody else, Joe Biden released them so they're out there endangering the entire world. It's not only America that's suffering because of Biden's incompetence and ineptitude, it's the entire world. And Nancy Pelosi is trying to back him up on what he did and how he did it. Elections are coming, folks. I have to tell you, I've had enough of this. They impeached Trump over a phone call, over a damn phone call. Who died because of the phone call? That's what I want to know. How many people died because Trump made a phone call? How was America's national security undermined because Trump made a phone call? Joe Biden got it wrong. He cleared the military out before they got the Americans out. Thousands of Americans are now behind what are obviously enemy lines. If they become hostages, 
the responsibility lands on the desk of the president. The buck stops here, Joe. That's you. Not Trump, not anybody else. You gave the command for the troops to be withdrawn before you got the Americans out, before you got the other people out. Before you took custody of the terrorists, before you got rid of your munitions, either by bringing them back to the United States or some other military installation that we have access to, or by destroying them so that they wouldn't fall into enemy hands. That didn't happen. You are the commander-in-chief. You bear 100% responsibility for this and for any event in the future where those terrorists you release make use of those weapons you fail to secure, it is on you. You bear responsibility. You want to wear the hat that says president? With it comes awesome responsibility. With authority comes responsibility. First lesson that they gave us when we got our badges as federal agents. With authority comes responsibility. If, God forbid, I'd been in a shootout and it could be shown that I acted improperly, I could face severe consequences. Responsibility uh, goes with authority. So where are we with that? We have an open border. Americans are being overwhelmed across the country. American cities are by people flooding into America. They may have COVID. They may have criminal histories. They might be terrorists. They are certainly going to be taking jobs. They're going to impact the environment. They're going to impact the economy. They're going to impact the educational system of our children. It's going to cause more congestion. Inflation, the cost of water and food and housing are all going to go up because we're flooding millions of people into the United States without vetting them properly, without vetting them properly. We're going to revisit that issue of vetting. So while meager resources of immigration over at DHS are being stretched to the breaking point, we now have to deal with the people with the special visas, the people who work with our forces in Afghanistan, because they need to get out of Dodge because of the way Biden undid that whole thing. This was not orderly. It was a rout. We ran for our lives. We looked like cowards. And people look at prior performance to figure out what happens in the future. So what Joe Biden did was to tell the world that America has no balls, America stands for nothing, that we cannot be trusted, because we might disappear in the middle of the night without even letting our allies know that we left. Think about that way of conducting business. It's not just what happened in the last couple of weeks. It is an indication of what our adversaries and our allies can expect from a spineless supposed leader. We disappear in the middle of the night, gone, into the wind. Where did they go? Who knows? They didn't tell us. And they didn't leave a forwarding number. No forwarding address. They're gone. I don't think this country has ever done anything like this in its entire history. In its entire history. And Biden can sit there with that, oh, shucks, well, you know, uh, it was going to be messy. We couldn't have done it any better. How about if you let, if you had the military stay in place and not give up Bagram? and not allow the weapons to be dispersed among our enemies, and not allow the terrorists to get out of jail, catch and release. 
What Joe Biden has done, and I said this when I was on Newsmax, I'm frequently a guest on Newsmax television. Uh, I appreciate that they have me on to provide my perspectives. I hope it's helpful. Um, But I said that we not only have a sanctuary country, thanks to Joe Biden and the Democrats and sanctuary cities, thanks to the lunatic left, where illegal aliens are harbored and shielded from detection by immigration authorities, which violates, again, the findings of the 9-11 Commission, as well as the law. I'm happy that the the Supreme Court ruled that um, the president cannot cancel the Remain in Mexico uh, policies of the Trump administration because it makes sense. Where's the advantage to America to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every month flow into this country and then we're going to figure out what to do with them? Who's going to look for them? We have no interior enforcement. And that, again, goes back to George W. Bush. After 9-11, we should have hired tens of thousands of ICE agents. And they shouldn't have been ICE. It should have been immigration. Customs has nothing to do with immigration. Customs was traditionally a revenue outfit. Before there was a, a DHS, Customs was a part of the Treasury Department. Their biggest concern was keeping out contraband and collecting duties and tariffs. Immigration dealt with human beings, period. Aliens, period. The word we're not supposed to say unless it's the A in DREAM Act, which is an acronym for Development, Relief, and Education for Alien Minors. Okay? So this has been intentional. I've made this point numerous times. You cannot secure the border on the border because ultimately people get in. I always like to ask people, how many times does an alien need to try to enter the United States illegally before he or she succeeds? And people will look at me and say, you mean there's a number? I say, well, it's a formula. It's a formula, right? It's one more than the number of times they get stopped. That's how many times they have to make the attempt. And under Biden, they didn't have to try to get here illegally. They just turned themselves over to the Border Patrol. Hi, here we are, asylum, political asylum. And Joe Biden said, come on in. And they got lost in America. And I could read you chapter and verse of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel talking about how one of the key methods of embedding was for aliens to come in, claim asylum, and then disappear and go about deadly preparations. Look at the Tsarnaev brothers that carried out the Boston bombing. You know, we have a short memory, folks. April 15, 2013, Patriot Day up in Boston. There was a terrible attack at the marathon. The Tsarnaev family came from Russia said, we can't go back to Russia. You have to let us stay. Please give us political asylum. And we gave them political asylum. And their two brothers, their two sons, rather, uh, blew up the, the, uh, the, the uh, marathon. And then you had Bob Goodlight, immigration lawyer, who happened to be the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, working with Obama back then, said, we need an enhanced program so that if people get amnesty or, or get political asylum, rather, and they go back to their home country, we can prosecute them specifically for that crime. Did we need that law? Of course not. It's stupid. It just provides the magic act illusion that we're serious. What they need are more agents, not more laws. Is it obvious that someone who says, I can never go back to Russia, and then goes back to Russia right after you give them asylum, and there's been no regime change? that they lied, they said they can't go back, and now they made reservations and went back. What does that tell you? They lied. Do you need a law that specifically says 
if they get asylum and then they go back to their country, they're violating the law? No. What we need are agents. We only have about 6,000 ICE agents, and most of the time they're not doing immigration work because of the way George W. Bush put immigration enforcement together under the Department of Homeland Surrender. They're doing money laundering investigations. They're doing narcotics investigations. They're doing copyright law violations. They're doing kitty porn violations. What else can we get them to do so that we keep them busy? Oh, yes, when there's a campaign and Secret Service is short people, ICE agents, instead of enforcing immigration laws, go out there and protect the people running for office. So during any campaign season, you might have eight ICE agents for the whole country. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. You get my point. One of the things that ICE agents does, though, they go after crooked employers and crooked lawyers. Now, of course, politicians see kindred spirits, I guess, among that crowd. So they said, oh, we better not hire agents. They might go after our friends. God forbid. So they pass law after law after law with no agents and no funding and no resources. And then they can say, look what we did for you. Yeah, we screwed you royally. So we've turned America into a sanctuary city. And then we had criminal justice reform, which followed the lead of immigration. See, it started with immigration, and then it spread like a cancer. It metastasized. So catch and release for illegal aliens became catch and release for thugs, rapists, murderers, gun runners, drug dealers, burglars. Doesn't matter. You're arrested. No cash bail. Whoa, you're back out on the street. Catch and release. And now last week, what did we see? Or within the last week in Afghanistan, catch and release of thousands of terrorists. You see how it started with immigration and migrated to criminal justice, and now it metastasized into Afghanistan because of Joe Biden, president of the United States of America. Afghanistan is now a sanctuary for terrorists. Cities like New York and Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco and Philadelphia are sanctuaries for illegal aliens and the criminals and terrorists among them. started with immigration, it migrated to criminal justice, and now it's in Afghanistan. We're spreading joy around the world and dead bodies everywhere. But that's okay because there's an agenda in play. Stop and think about what I'm saying to you. Stop and think about the enormity of the threat and the enormity of the bloodshed that's happening to innocent people around the world because of these insane policies that nobody in their right mind could ever possibly justify, but the reporters never ask the right questions. The simple question is, how are your policies good news for law-abiding Americans? for law-abiding citizens, for law-abiding residents of cities that are seeing a level of violence we haven't seen since the wild, wild west. What next? Gunfights in the street? We probably have them in some communities right now. Why are we allowing this? This country is supposed to be, at least according to the vision of Abraham Lincoln, a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. I want to know what people were talking about. Murderers, rapists, drug dealers, burglars get arrested, get released, just like illegal aliens on the border. And now we have terrorists by the thousands being released in Afghanistan. This is a disease that started 
in America, on our borders and within our immigration system. It migrated, it metastasized to the overall criminal justice system, and now it has spread to Afghanistan, clear across the world. A new form of globalism, global insanity, global insanity, and people are, are dying and will die as a direct consequence. Now, let's be very fair about this. It makes sense to want to do what you can to make certain that our criminal justice system is justice. We arrest people for a couple of reasons. So let's think about why we do it. I remember taking a criminology class back in college. You arrest people, obviously, to punish them for violating the law. There's got to be consequences to law violations. Otherwise, people will continue to violate the law. Why not? If your parents told you you can't go to the movies until you did your homework, you did your homework because you wanted to go to the movies. Imagine if your parents said, you can go to the movies. We don't care what you do. You probably wouldn't have done your homework. Well, maybe you would have, but God only knows. But the idea is you want to punish people to not only punish them, but to deter future crimes by other people who might look at that and say, hey, look what Charlie did. He engaged in cashless shopping. He went into a store and stole stuff. But that used to be called robbery or looting. Now I guess it's cash-free shopping. Okay? Nobody is deterred. So we see cities now where if you steal under a certain amount, the cops aren't even going to bother you. My gosh. This is insanity. It's insanity. This is how a society devolves into chaos. My uh, professor back in, in college also said there's another reason why we punish people who violate the law, to prevent people from taking the law in their own hands. So if some guy's sister gets raped, he doesn't go out there with a machete to uh, do a circumcision of sorts on the guy, right? Because he knows that the police are going to come and they're going to arrest this guy and they're going to put him in a cage and he could spend a bunch of years sitting in that cage contemplating the horrible thing that he did to this guy's sister because we have belief in the system. How in the world can you have belief in the system when the system releases people without consequences for committing heinous crimes? This is called anarchy. This is how you destroy a society. This is how you destroy a civilization. And what follows? What follows? So understand where we are with this business. I see I have a call. Let me just take this quickly, and there's much more that I want to go into. Hello, you're speaking with Mike Cutler. Who's this? Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm good. Who's this? Oh, this is Thomas. Okay. How are you? What what can I do for you? What's your perspective? Oh, yeah. I'm just uh, listening in, and uh, at the same time, you know, I got my own understanding of what's, what's going on. This is perfect 1984, man. No, it, it absolutely is. You want chaos? You want chaos and distraction? A- absolutely. Well, I'm going to go back to what I was saying. I just wanted to check in with you. Keep on listening and let your friends know about my program. How's yep. that? Well, you know, it, it's about the Tic Tac technology, man. They're gonna whoever owns the Tic Tac technology, the one that was spotted on the Air Force uh, radar, they're about ready to strike okay. and take uh, over listen, the planet. Uh, it's, it's good. It's it's good to talk to you. Thank you for the call. Have a good weekend. Take. 
Okay, we've gone to flying saucers. But anyway, um, let's get serious about where we are. Where we are is in a really bad place because we have a bunch of politicians in power who are more concerned with campaign contributions and winning elections than they are with actually governing. Uh, a, a bunch of years ago, I wrote an article, and I called it um, Governing Under the Influence, Under the Influence of the Campaign Contributors and Under the Influence uh, or, or the Intoxication of Power, if you will. Because for some folks, having that power is as intoxicating as, as having you know, many drinks too many. They are high on their own power, and they're not using it for the general good of America or Americans. And if you really want to be concerned that people who commit crimes or are accused of crimes get a fair shake, I'm with you. I agree with you completely. We're all supposed to enjoy the presumption of innocence. And if you're concerned that too many of our people, Americans, wind up getting arrested um, and, and sentenced to jail time, considering what other countries do, we can talk about that. There are crimes that perhaps shouldn't result in prison time. But why is nobody talking about why it is that America's poor are poor and have no opportunities to get beyond poverty? Think about what we've done in this country. And again, we have to come back to immigration. Right now, we are importing more foreign workers than the number of new jobs we're creating. That means opportunities for Americans go out the window. It also means that wages go through the floorboard because this is about supply and demand. First of all, you flood the labor pool, and, and, and we're doing this at all levels, by the way. It's not just the illegal aliens. It's the aliens who come here with visas to do the high-tech jobs. We're bringing in workers from the third world, <clears throat> willing to settle for lower wages by quite a bit than Americans would, willing to settle for adverse, often illegally dangerous conditions when we're talking about the illegal aliens, that becomes the new standard. If you're truly a liberal, as the radical left wants you to believe they are, they supposedly are concerned about working conditions for workers. Flooding America with foreign workers does nothing to improve working conditions for Americans or those people lawfully admitted into the United States. This is a bunch of hypocrisy. The immigration laws used to be administered and enforced by the Labor Department, and that was what happened under President Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, to get America out of the Depression, to make certain that American workers would not have to compete with farm workers for jobs. Simple premise. Immigration enforcement was moved to the Justice Department during the Second World War, and we realized there were saboteurs trying to gain entrance into the United States from Germany, from Japan, to commit acts of sabotage today we would call it terrorism. So the government was reorganized, and they said immigration is about national security, and we're going to handle it that way. So immigration worked closely with the FBI and other agencies to keep out spies and saboteurs that wanted to hurt us. Makes sense. It's remarkable that DHS includes immigration law enforcement because everyone knows that the public gets it. You can't protect your country if you can't keep your enemies out of your country. But this now is a magic act, because if we were serious, we would have secured that Mexican border. If we were serious, we would have hired more ICE agents. But we're not serious, and it's both political parties. But now you have Joe Biden, 
who's out there absolutely out of control as far as I'm concerned, telling ICE agents that even though statutorily they have the authority to arrest illegal aliens, they better not unless they not only have an administrative warrant for that person's removal or deportation, but that alien better have a criminal history with lots of convictions for serious crimes. That's not what the immigration laws require. The immigration laws simply state that if you're in violation of our immigration laws, you're subject to arrest, just like any other law enforcement agency. Immigration agents, whether it's ICE or the Border Patrol, have the lawful authority to make warrantless arrests, except by executive order, Biden said, you will not make warrantless arrests. If you want to make an arrest and and it's not a criminal alien, you better get authorization all the way from headquarters or else. Well, understand what that means. Aliens who enter the country illegally might be coming here simply out of desperation, or they might be coming here because they're fugitives, or they might be coming here because they're terrorists. In fact, the 9-11 Commission staff report was crystal clear. They said that interior enforcement, if properly done, might have thwarted 9-11. We have no interior enforcement. We have a sanctuary country, America. Now Afghanistan has become a sanctuary country, a sanctuary for terrorists. All of this happening on Joe Biden's watch. By the way, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. So when I make these points, I'm not being partisan, I'm being American. I'm sick of America being divided along political lines because as far as I'm concerned, 90% of the politicians are Republicrats. They say what they say in public and in private. They cut deals all over the place because they have been bought and paid for by globalists, whether it's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce or the American Immigration Lawyers Association or all these other organizations that see in our borders not our first and last line of defense but an impediment to their wealth. We have another caller. Let's see who this is. Good evening. You're speaking to Mike Cutler. Who's this? Hello? Okay. I guess not. All of you understand the point that I'm trying to make. Our immigration laws are supposed to be there to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. If I had to boil it down to a few words, that's what's in the Immigration and Nationality Act keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who suffer severe mental illness, aliens who are criminals, human traffickers, drug smugglers, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, aliens who would likely become a public charge or if they worked would displace Americans and or drive down wages. Nothing in our immigration laws of today have a single word about race or religion or ethnicity. And the globalists will tell you, a hundred years ago we had Chinese exclusion laws. And we did. And they were wrong. And they're gone. But that was a hundred years ago. What relevance does it have today? A hundred years ago we had to have people cleaning up horse manure because we had a lot of horse-drawn buggies in certain communities. They're gone also. It's a bunch of distractions to try to get people to think, ah, You know, unfair. There's nothing unfair about a country looking out for the safety 
and welfare of its own citizens. That's what the laws are about, period. Now, I was on Newsmax, and I was asked a question about the vetting process of the people coming to the United States from Afghanistan, not the Americans, but the translators and the others. And they said, well, you know, there's a terror watch list. And I want you to understand what I said on that program, and I want you to understand the problem, the challenge we have. There are terror watch lists, and we should use them. When I was an inspector at Kennedy International Airport at the beginning of my career, I hate to tell you, way back in 1971, if you ever see me on TV and wonder where all that gray and white hair comes from, now you know uh, I've been at it for a long time. So, yes, we had a list, and it involved people who might be criminals or fugitives or people who have been previously deported and so forth. Not so much terrorists back then, although that was a growing concern. We had airplanes being hijacked to the Middle East in the mid-'70s, if you remember that. But not every terrorist is on a terror watch list. And I've written a bunch of articles for Front Page Magazine where I listed all these individuals. We had one case of an Afghani Translator. Here we are, the translators. And translators are of concern. I've worked with translators as an agent because they know who you are. They also know who the person is you're interviewing, whether it's a criminal, whether it's an informant. Um, They get to hear the questions and the answers. They become your eyes and ears, so to speak. Very sensitive job. And we try to screen them carefully. Sometimes it works and sometimes the screening doesn't work. And here was a case of a particular translator who came to the United States and then started smuggling aliens into the United States, including another translator from Afghanistan who was fired because he was determined to be a security risk to our country. So just because someone isn't on a terror watch list doesn't mean that they're a good guy. I remember one time I was having a discussion with a young DEA agent. And I had a desk in this particular squad up at DEA. You know, I spent half my 30 years with the Drug Enforcement Task Force. So I had desks at DEA, the FBI, ATF. And this young DEA agent came to me and said, Mike, you've got to help me out. We've got to get this guy into the country. He can lead us to a load of heroin. I said, okay. And he said, he's a good guy. I said, how do you know? He said, he's never been arrested. I said, slow down. He knows where someone has a huge quantity of heroin. He's never been arrested. How is it that he's familiar with these drug dealers? And I understand never been arrested is almost like saying his name is not on the terror watch list. People who race crash, but not all people who race crash. Just because the guy has never been arrested doesn't mean he hasn't been doing illegal activities. It means he was never caught and never successfully prosecuted. And that's the problem we have with terror watch lists. The Tsarnaev family, they got through. They were screened. There was a case of a Border Patrol agent. Believe it or not, and this is going to stun you, I'm I'm just sure it will, we had a Border Patrol agent. uh, Let me see if I could find the article real quickly. Um, Bear with me. I'm trying to find this. Hmm. I thought I had it, but I don't. We had a Border Patrol agent who actually was an illegal alien. He had served in the United States Navy on a nuclear submarine. He claimed to have been an American citizen. I don't have his name in front of me, but I assure you this was the case. And when he left the Navy with an honorable discharge, he went to work for the Border Patrol. 
and the guy was himself an illegal alien from Mexico. And he was prosecuted. The judge worked out a deal for him. I had mixed feelings about it. But what does that tell you about the vetting process? To work on a nuclear submarine, you need to have the highest possible security clearances. A major investigative enterprise has to be undertaken to give everyone who serves on a nuclear submarine the clearance they need to be on that sub. It's one of our most sensitive assets in our entire military inventory. And yet the system screwed up. We had another individual who was a naturalized citizen, and he was a sleeper agent for Hezbollah. Uh, We can go through case after case after case. Uh, One guy who was a terrorist, uh, naturalized citizen, he became part of the FBI's 10 most wanted. Why? Because he was working with terrorists, and he used his, the concern was that he could use his knowledge because he drove a cab in Washington, D.C. for many years, and it was believed that he was training terrorists overseas and explaining to them the layout of Washington so that they could carry out terrorist operations in Washington, D.C., and he was a naturalized citizen. We can go after this list of name and, and incidents and, and the involvement they had with terrorism, and these folks were supposedly vetted numerous times. They, they got asylum, they got green cards, they became U.S. citizens. In some cases, they had military clearances. The system is not infallible. Now, if we add to the system being as you know, spotty as it is, with the sheer numbers of people we're talking about, because the failures on the Mexican border have flooded America, or continues to flood America, with hundreds of thousands of aliens each and every month. The resources are beyond the breaking point. Now into this witch's brew, we're going to throw tens of thousands or perhaps more Afghanis who want to come to America to escape the Taliban. Those who work with us certainly need to be protected. No argument. This is a rush job. And I want to remind you, as we're approaching the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11, that just 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And the death count from 9-11 is continuing. So if, if you want to look at disaster after disaster, it started with immigration, it spread over into the entire criminal justice system in these so-called um, liberal, I, I would say lunatic cities and states, under the name of criminal justice reform. Instead of trying to create environments where children will be less likely to become involved in crime, stable home environments, good education, all the things that you want to do to lay the foundation for successful adults when they grow up. What do we have in the bad neighborhoods, especially minority neighborhoods? Poverty, broken families, violence, crime, hopelessness. It's a breeding ground for failure. And then along comes this notion of white privilege that the reason that these folks aren't doing well is somehow um, it's a race thing. Look, let me tell you, we are responsible at the end of the day for ourselves. I'm Jewish, and my parents told me, and I've encountered it, you will encounter anti-Semitism. It's horrible. 
It's disgusting. It's infuriating. But people can be really stupid and really nasty. So my parents' advice, and I tragically lost them to cancer when I was in college within a year of each other. I've been on my own since I was 21, and I, you know, stayed on the straight and narrow, which is a tribute to them. I tell people I'm always standing on my parents' shoulders, even though they're gone well over a half century. But what they said to me is that the way you overcome bigotry, racism, anti-Semitism, is study hard, work your tail off, and be so good at what you do that even people that don't like you will have to respect you, they will have to hire you, they will have to pay you what you're worth, and living well was the best revenge. That's how I was raised. That's how many of my friends who also were Jewish were raised. I was not allowed to play the victim card. Oh, poor me. No, my parents said if someone's doing better than you, maybe they're doing things right and you're not. You should take a hard look at what your friends who are more successful than you are, see what they're doing, and maybe you want to take up some of their traits, some of their tactics, because if it works for them, it will probably work for you. And that's something that I followed my whole life, and it did work. But we have politicians now engaged in a divide-and-conquer strategy, pitting American against American. And incredibly, it's working. And egging on this whole process are the governments of Iran and Russia and China. They're watching us dissolve. They're watching us go after each other. And they're just sitting back laughing up their sleeves uh, because their goal is to see the demise of our country so they can take control of the world. So ask yourself, how woke is China? How woke is Iran? How do they deal with gays in Iran? We are stupid, we are naive, and we're doing great damage to ourselves and to the future of our incredible country and the future of our children and their children. When I watch Joe Biden and all this nonsense playing out in Afghanistan, playing out in American cities across the country, and then the DHS issues... A, a, a terror warning saying basically that the threat that America faces is from white supremacists, white supremacists. And they acknowledge in this terror warning that as we approach the 20th anniversary of the attacks of 9-11, that al-Qaeda and ISIS and these other groups might take to the Internet to persuade Americans to carry out attacks in the United States. I went through this bulletin. There wasn't a single word in that bulletin about any concerns that DHS has that terrorists from the Middle East might attempt to come to the United States to kill Americans. Think about the enormity of what I just said to you. If you're going to engage in problem solving, the first item, again, we come back to priorities on the list, right? Not shoot, ready, aim, as Biden did. You, you, you uh, make sure that you're ready. You make sure that you've aimed, and only then do you shoot. Well, here, if you get a problem solved, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that there's a problem. That the DHS wouldn't even indicate a concern that terrorists from the Middle East or elsewhere might seek to enter our country to kill us leaves me speechless, keeps me awake at night. 
anybody, American or otherwise, of any political or, or ideological orientation, anybody who believes that violence is the solution to any issue is a danger and is a threat and, and needs to be prevented from carrying out acts of violence. Absolutely. But to ignore that there are terrorists around the world seeking to enter our country to do harm. And by the way, a week earlier, before this bulletin came out, or two weeks earlier, it was disclosed that a woman from Iran who was a dissident, she's been very vociferous in her writings against the regime in Iran, was the target of an Iranian operation to abduct her, put her on a ship. She was living in Brooklyn near the water and take her by boat to Venezuela and then back to Iran, where she would either be put in jail or executed. So they're operating in our country right now. There was a woman in California, an Iranian, who came to America, and she was managing this fund, well over $100,000, carry out an abduction of an American citizen who was naturalized uh, and had come originally from Iran. So... Right there, you see an incident of somebody coming into the United States to abduct an American. But DHS doesn't care about that, apparently. What DHS cares about is that there might be disenfranchised white Americans who might do harm. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Martin Luther King stood for a colorblind society, a colorblind America. Our laws on civil rights are supposed to level the playing field where race and religion and ethnicity are treated as they should be as insignificant. The entire focus of this administration and the radical left is to divide America by race. And if that isn't the classic definition of racism, I want someone to tell me what racism looks, smells, and tastes like. Joe Biden created a nightmare in Afghanistan, and it's not going away. Even this evening, they were reporting at Fox that there's more credible information, that more attacks are likely to be carried out in and around the airport against our military, even as they're trying to get Americans to safety. This isn't going to stop. Once we leave, God only knows, and many military experts, and I'm not going to claim to be a military expert. I've never been in the military, and I, and I, I don't get off the reservation. You know, someone said to me, you ought to be addressing vaccines and masks. And I said, no, I don't have expertise, and I'm not going to run my mouth and provide an opinion. Well, my opinion is no better than anybody else's. You know, somebody once wisely pointed out that opinions are like backsides. Everyone's got one. Do I have opinions? Sure. But why would I waste your time? But where immigration is concerned, I've been at it for a while. It's hard for me to believe it, but this October, it will be 50 years since I got my immigration inspector's badge. So I've been at this for a very long time. I was an inspector. I was an agent. I was an adjudications officer. I rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch, which is why I was called upon by Congress and the 9-11 Commission. And, you know, it's remarkable to me because I remember after 9-11, there were many members of Congress saying, you know, we ought to go to Hollywood. We, meaning the Congress, the administration, should go to Hollywood. We were caught flat-footed. Who would have imagined using airplanes as cruise missiles, basically, 
to maybe the people that write screenplays in Hollywood can help us to figure out what crazy stuff the terrorists might do to kill us. You really need to go to Hollywood to figure out what they might do when Joe Biden takes thousands of terrorists and gets them released, provides an arsenal of weaponry that they couldn't even have dreamt of, has taken down our borders, overwhelmed the entire immigration system, and now we're flying thousands of people from a country that's a hotbed of terrorism directly into the United States? How creative does a terrorist have to be when this kind of idiocy passes for leadership in Washington? We have to hold our elected representatives accountable. If a police officer or a federal agent fired a weapon improperly and injured or killed someone, that person would face consequences. It's called accountability that goes with responsibility and authority. What is playing out in Afghanistan, what is playing out on the U.S.-Mexican border, and just as importantly, what's playing out inside the United States and towns and cities and states across America because of sanctuary policies is endangering national security, public safety, public health, the jobs and wages of Americans, and Americans have been intimidated into not speaking out. That's not acceptable. The First Amendment gives us an absolute right to have our voices heard. And I wasn't a big fan of Ronald Reagan. I'm going to be honest with you. I know many of you are, and that's cool. We're Americans. We're entitled to disagree. It's our birthright. That's what the First Amendment looks like. But Reagan gave us the amnesty. Reagan gave us the visa waiver program and the diversity visa. I could go on. But he also said something that we must never forget. He said that freedom was never more than one generation from extinction. If we are intimidated to the point that we don't stand up and tell the politicians what we demand of them because they are our employees, our employees, and shame on us. America today faces an existential threat from so many directions. If ever there was a time for Americans to get their voices heard peacefully but firmly based on fact, this is the time. I'm going to ask all of you to discuss these issues with your neighbors. Do it, again, peacefully, calmly, with facts. And I'm going to ask you to do something else. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to frontpagemag.com. Go to U.S. Incorporated. That's usincinc.org. Forward my articles, the links to my articles to as many people as you can. Post it on social media. Same thing with my program, the Michael Cutler Hour. If you like my program today, you can get the link to the podcast, distribute it as far as you can. We need to have an honest conversation in America today. The stakes and the risks could not be greater. Thank you for joining me this evening. Hope you all have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay well. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll see you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everybody.